Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA, the original Equipment Suppliers Association. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here back with two gentlemen who were on a very recent episode with me. We're welcoming back, and we are videoing, taping this on Zoom so they can wave for the video. Brian Irwin, Managing Director at Accenture, and he has the honor of leading Accenture's automotive and mobility practice across North America. Welcome back, Brian. So happy to have you. are going to be our lead speaker today, and of course, we're joined by Bill Newman. He used to call himself Will- William, but he put Bill in air quotes so many times, everybody calls him Bill. He is the North America Executive Industry Advisor, quotes, chief at SAP. Should I call you Chief Bill? Bill, is that appropriate? Bonnie, we know each other so well, you can call me late for dinner. <laughs> okay. We have an interesting topic today. This is titled by Brian Irwin. Brian, the great rebuild. I'm excited about this, but before we do this, Brian, it's possible. I don't know how, but it's possible that there might be about eight people in the world who didn't hear you on our episode a couple weeks ago. Would you please do me the honor of reintroducing yourself to our audience? Go ahead, Brian. I'd love to, Bonnie, and it is wonderful to be back with you and Bill today. So thank you for the invitation. So Brian Irwin, I lead the automotive and mobility business for Accenture across North America. So in that capacity, we work with OEMs, suppliers, and dealers, as well as mobility providers for passenger transit and rail. And uh, we help them with anything from business strategy to implementing change, uh, change and transformation across their organization be it from a people, a process, or a technology lens. And I've had the, uh, the, the privilege, the luxury to work in automotive for a quarter of a century, starting uh, life at, a, at an OEM, and then consulting to most of the OEMs across North America, Asia, and Europe over the last quarter century. I bet you've seen a lot of major changes, Brian, not just in the types of vehicles, but in supply issues, in components, in technology, in advancements, in convenience with star- with cars, with, with speed, with we're looking at EVs, we're looking at fully electric cars, we're looking at autonomous cars at some point in the future. So you've been there to see it all. That's 25 years. Well, that's a long time to be in one industry. How much do you love automotive, Brian? I love automotive, and it started back when I first got my uh, when I got my first car back as a, as a teenager. So I I got the uh, I got the bug, and it stayed with me through my life. Okay, which car, make, year, model, color, briefly? Uh, my first or my favorite? Well, we didn't get to favorite yet. Just your first. First was a uh, a nineteen seventy seven Mustang Cobra two with a V eight Hurst shifter kit and mag wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, you would remember that as Farrah Fawcett's car from Charlie's Angels. I hope that our listeners who were not 
alive then we'll look that up who is Farrah Fawcett what was child you have to you have to know that our audience is all over the world and it's interesting to see who gets that but I think Bill and I do speaking of Bill Newman Chief Newman would you please reintroduce yourself to our audience in case there's one person who doesn't remember you shame on them Bill Newman welcome back Hey, thanks, Bonnie. Good to be back. And uh, again, good to be back with Brian as well. So Bill Newman, 35 years in uh, in manufacturing and uh, services industry. So planes, trains, automobiles. I was an airplane guy for a while. Uh, moved to Detroit uh, about 25 years ago and uh, have enjoyed uh, being a kind of an adopted son here in uh, the great state of Michigan. Um, so in my current role, I have I basically work with executives across all of automotive companies from startups to major OEMs to understand what their capabilities and their strategies are and and how to understand how to translate that into technology. Um, And so it's been a really great uh, opportunity and a lot of change going on that we'll talk about today. So really exciting time to be in automotive. Thank you very much. And speaking of exciting times, we don't usually ask this question. Uh, Brian was nice enough to tell us his first car, and Bill, we've heard about yours many times. But I'm going to go out on a limb and ask if you would dare to share with us what your favorite car or type of car is. And you know our rule, no bashing, trashing, or smashing of anything you don't like. But what do you really love to drive or what do you aspire? Ooh, that's a big question. What do you aspire to drive? Brian Irwin, talk. So um, favorite was probably the first car I bought out of college. I, um, I stretched probably more than I should have, and I bought a, uh, a Camaro Z28 convertible as my first car. Now, out of college, you probably know I, I was working for General Motors at the time, and uh, every part of that paycheck went to pay for the car. <laughs> what color was Camaro? It was white as well. Really? Okay, we're seeing a, seeing a theme here. Bill Newman, favorite car ever, ever, ever? Well, so uh, coming out of, it was a car that I bought coming out of college as well. So a a victory lap vehicle, just like Brian's. Um, So I was an aerospace engineer working in the plane business. And so uh, my other car was a B2 stealth bomber, but the car I drove was a Dodge Daytona Turbo Z with with a nice first generation fuel injection. as an aerospace engineer, I loved driving that thing out of uh, the Mojave Desert Freeway out to uh, Lake Havasu for long weekends going water skiing and at the lake. And I would get a little lift coming up off of the front end, depending on what the pitch and the angle was actually driving on the freeway. So um, not going to give out too much incriminating information, but, you know, <laughs> let's just say that it was a little over the speed limit, um, but it was a really fun car to drive. Well, two of you mentioned Z cars, and Bill knows I have driven Nissan Zs back from almost when they were Datsun Zs. I had the 240, the 260, the two, the 370, the 350, and the one I loved the best was the one I had the past couple of years, which was a pearl white, metallic pearl white with red leather interior, red rag top, and it was a 370Z convertible, and it was just dreamy. So I'm a Z car lady. I didn't say girl, lady. And there you go. That's a whole other show. Let's get to our topic today. Brian has set up this topic, the great rebuild. And let me read you topic number one. Brian, take about three minutes, and then we will have Bill agree or disagree and add some commentary. So Brian says, supply chain challenges today 
truly feel like a perfect storm. And his warning or his message to suppliers is, suppliers, you need to understand how we got here today and how we can prevent this from happening again. Really important. Brian, let's hear, please. Uh, i love to, Bonnie. So the challenges that we're faced today predate COVID. I mean, they started with the disruptions associated with all of us wanting specific things. It's hyper-personalization that we talked about. Layer in things like uh, global trade and tariffs, the labor force and logistics challenges across the industry, and then put COVID on top of that. And, and that's kind of where we ended up. But the, the, the message to, to take away from all that is that when COVID ends, the, all of our supply chain challenges don't go away as well. Maybe, and, and to understand what I mean by that, you think about how we got here. I, I mean, our supply chains today have been forming over the last 50 years when we have been um, maniacally focused on being uh, driving efficiency, lowering cost, taking inventory out, uh, working JIT, working lean, and eking out every penny along the way. Now, the great thing about that, we have developed phenomenally efficient supply chains, but we're probably past the tipping point in some form of an equilibrium where there isn't that, that, that reserve, there isn't that, that sponginess that's necessary to help when we experience supply shocks or, uh, or demand shocks. Um, we often talk about the bullwhip effect, the, the principle when, when demand changes, and when demand changes, those changes ripple back, amplify across the supply base, and we see the results of that today. Where we've got where we've got thousands of containers stacked up uh, waiting for uh, waiting to dock in uh, uh, the port of LA. So so what's necessary we believe is, is a little bit of rethinking what's going on out there right now, uh, and maybe it's time to reinvest in supply chain, not in a crazy way, but to reinvest to ensure we're able to ma better manage those shocks, and and then to do so by thinking about taking a look at our processes, our people, our technology, our analytics across the board. Thank you. Very interesting. Very, very important topic. Bill Newman, Chief Newman, love to get your thoughts on this. Join us, please. Well, yeah, I mean, Brian brings up a really great point. I just want to double click on it. And that is a lot of these things, you know, our supply chain was running super tight and very efficient even before the pandemic, right? So, I mean, we were literally you know, squeezing blood out of a turnip and it was, it was really, really tight. So, you know, it was so tight that it couldn't impact, you know, the massive uh, in, uh, input inbound inventory issues. And I think that's really what people are reflecting on right now. So yes, making sure that you have the digital capabilities to understand from where and from whom your and when your inbound flow is going to come from. But now folks are beginning to look, and this is a matter of industrial policy as much as it is uh, economics, right, on the behalf of some of the large uh, vehicle makers. What does it mean if you actually create more uh, in-region capacity and inventory of certain components? And obviously on this show and others, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, semiconductor chips that impact just about every industry as well as other components. So I do think that we're beginning to actually look at how do we feather and uh, connect even more deeply um, industrial output, manufacturing output into uh, in-region uh, by location 
um, supply chain just to de-risk the process so we don't get stuck with this whole container parking lot out in the ocean that Brian was talking about. And, and it's legit. I was just driving by there the other day here in um, Southern California, and it's pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, hats off to all the supply chain planners that are just dealing with, you know, 14-hour days every day of the week, it seems like. So I do think that that's the next generation, and we'll probably dig into a little bit more about that in today's uh, conversation. Thank you very much. Only 14-hour days, I wanted to say, Bill. Uh, Only 14. That sounds like a normal day probably for most of these people. Brian, let's go to topic number two, and we're going to dive even a little more deeply, you say, for automotive companies. Listen up, everyone. Supply chain is truly the heart of the organization. And here's where our topic, the great rebuild, comes in. Brian says, you need to rebuild the heart of your company. We're talking to our suppliers here. Brian, this is serious. Do we need surgery? We do need surgery. And and, and here's why. I mean, we we talk about it as the heart of the company because for for manufacturing companies, companies that build discrete pieces, like, like all of the OESA team, the, the function hold, manufacturing holds 75% of the cost, often uh, it, it, it's, it's 37% of the jobs across North America in, in aggregate, and, and it's, uh, it's taken us a lifetime to get here, so it's going to take us a while to, to fix it. So, so what we need to do is really respond to the disruption by in, investing in, a, in new ways of doing things, and we talked a little bit before around the, um, what companies need to do in terms of being able to be more agile in the way they respond. So what do you need to do in terms of, of your uh, logistics? What do you need to do in, in terms of um, your, your infrastructure? Do you need to add capacity? Do you, do you need to, uh, to do things differently? Um, here's what I'm talking about. We need to rethink supply networks. So we have pushed to the farthest corners of the world to, uh, to lean the supply chain out. Maybe there's time to rethink that. Maybe a little bit more in terms of right showing to ensure source. And, um, and then if you're going to do that, then there's reevaluating the strategy with respect to redundancy in source. So in our industry, we're famous for single sourcing most componentry. And there's great, great economics around that. So selectively, there is an opportunity to understand where we need to um, maybe add some, some, some uh, safety in our supply network. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean sourcing to two different suppliers, but it could be sourcing to the same supplier and ensuring manufacturing capacity exists on two different continents. And then the third would be something around rethinking our our uh, relationships with suppliers. I mean, we think about uh, some form of a strategic segmentation. What we used to call our A's and B's and C's, maybe we have to reassess who's in each bucket today. Thank you very much. Bill Newman, let's get a response here. We're talking about the heart. Bill? Yeah, I mean, you know, supply chain really is the beating heart and it allows a lot of free cash flow to be expended. And the question is, you know, are, are, are we really looking, to Brian's point earlier, uh, are we really looking to get back to those very tightly wound pre-pandemic days where, as, as we used to say in the business, Daza Maza, design anywhere, source anywhere, make anywhere, service anywhere. Is that really where we want to go back to? And I think what we're going to do now is we're going to find that we're going to try to take that same 
idea and we're going to apply it to regions. And we're going to be able to do that because regions like greater China and, and Asia Pacific and certainly Europe and even some of the uh, Northern African um, economies, they're, they're growing and they're bigger now, or they will be. So there's going to be minimum capacity thresholds that will be met to actually be able to build and make and service and source from those areas or more so. Um, the other interesting wild card in all of this is the is and uh, I don't want to take us off too much off track is this whole growing notion of sustainability. So so building out a sustainable supply chain is 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 certainly something that we kicked around for you know the last 15 years and it was on the table and then taken off again because it was kind of more of a reporting thing. But I think it's going to get very real moving forward. Uh, and and so you know you can lean out the carbon in your value chain when you do do things like in region build and in-region selling, um, and it really takes some of the risk and frees up uh, working capital and free cash flow when you're able to do that, and again, not worry about you know, transportation and logistic risk and costs and you know, uh, expedited freight and things of that nature. So um, I do think that that's going to be a new lens that we look through these things, and again, those with the capabilities to do that will have a competitive advantage. Thank you, Bill. And that's a good segue, Brian, into your third topic we're going to cover because you say automotive organizations can use their supply chain to rethink their business model. And I'm guessing that part of that rethinking is including sustainability as something, a mission and a goal and a mantra and a process and a technology focus for the people in the organization. I'm trying to touch on all the key points you've been mentioning, Brian, so many times. And also, to gain competitive advantage. And who doesn't want that? It's a struggling environment right now. But when you surface and when you come out alive and thrive, you want to have a competitive advantage. So Brian, why don't you take us through this and then we'll see what Bill has to say. New business models. Brian. Love that, Bonnie. And, and this, as part of the great rebuild, we're talking about, uh, it starts with understanding the fundamental as to where you are today. And in, in the past, supply chains have been evaluated largely on cost. And I think today and going forward, we're going to add resilience and sustainability as well as security into those dimensions. So uh, those are the pieces of the pie that we, that we want to look at. Um, and then we think about how do you move that forward? And, and when you do move it forward, what new markets, what new revenue streams are you able to access? Now, the old days. Uh, and certainly in our industry, when we were looking at trade-offs in one supply chain solution, be it source or manufacturing, we looked at cost, quality, performance, and weight, all right? I would tell you there's a fifth metric that's large, uh, fast evolving, and, and Bill alluded to, and that is the sustainability piece. Cost, quality, performance, weight, and sustainability were be the big five going forward in our industry. And, and what we need to do in that, in that sense is to think about, uh, to think about what consumers and or customers, including consumers, are looking for. Now, uh, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can look to other industries and we can, we can look to other iconic companies that have played in this space, uh, leveraging, their, leveraging their supply chain to create new, to, to create new models. Um, the obvious ones are Amazon, who's, who's really a distribution company, and, and, and Dell. Um, in our, closer to our patch, it would be companies like Carvana, who themselves is a distribution company, company bringing a product to, to a customer rather than making the customer come to the product. Um, in so doing, I, again, it comes back to leveraging technology and redefining your, your people 
and, and what they need to be doing. Thank you very much. Such an interesting topic. So much going on. The idea of rethinking a business model, understanding the concept of the almost surgical concept of the heart of the organization, rebuilding, rethinking, regrowing, recollaborating. So much to think about. Bill, 14-hour days. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Bill Newman comments on what Brian added. Go ahead. Well, I think this whole idea of the new lens also lends itself to the topic of who's going to do the work right. And I, I think what we're learning is, is that so many um, elements of supply chain just can't be left to solely supply chain practitioners. It includes procurement, and, and Brian and I see this, many procurement and supply chain organizations all roll up to the same board level responsible these days. Uh, also finance, and clearly with uh, greater linkages to manufacturing and sourcing. So I think really gone are the days where a plant manager can kind of own their own plant and design their own output and, you know, maybe have those occasional monthly checkpoints with uh, with uh, with finance and some of the other parts of the organizations. I mean, it really is a, a largely integrated digital uh, environment right now. Change, daily change, hourly change, being able to rerun planning uh, a few times during the day for changing, you know, not everybody can do that. So again, I come back around to the people who have those those capabilities are are going to be able to look through this new lens, take advantage of new opportunities, um, go through the great rebuild, and and come out ahead. Um, and for those who won't, well, you know, there's there they'll they'll still probably be able to run decent businesses, but maybe just not at the scale and level of profit that they're hoping for. Thank you. Brian, I think we need to talk about in the C-suite of, of the bigger automotive companies that have a C-suite, I think we need to talk about a department called automotive cardiology. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Because we're talking about the heartbeat. We're talking about the core. We're talking about new lens rethinking, rebuilding new business models. We're talking about sustainability. We're talking about more of a of a worldview or maybe a closer view in terms of what are you producing? How do you get all the pieces to come together? What about availability? You still want to be competitive. You still have to make a profit to stay in business. Cardiology, automotive cardiology. Well, you and I will have a talk about that. Let's do a quick prediction round. If you don't mind, gentlemen, let's start with you, Brian Irwin. If we met again one year from today and we're just about at the beginning of November 2021, so let's say just before Thanksgiving next year, 2022, will automotive suppliers and everybody associated with them, it's a big supply chain, it's very, it goes deep, will they be really giving thanks on the U.S. Thanksgiving 2022 because things have gotten better? Brian, what do you see? Yes, they will be for sure. I, I think the statement around the, the, the table as we carve into our, our turkeys will be that, wow, 2022 was the year of the supply chain. And that while we had the finance transformation, we've had an HR transformation. This is the start of a supply chain transformation. This will give us the muscle. This will give us the capability to respond in a more agile way going forward. And we won't, we'll work and learn so we don't have these shocks going forward. Thank you. Shock absorbers, better cushioning, right? A smoother ride. Oh my, got to get that in there. Bill Newman, prediction, what do you see? Will be, will they be giving thanks? Will the industry be giving more thanks next year? Well, I think, I think they will. And I think we'll also be talking about all the great opportunities we've had to reconvene and get together with friends and family between now and then as well. So I'm, you know, we, 
we're all we're all hoping for that, and I think that that's probably going to be a reality. I do think there are going to be some shortages of certain components. You know, I mean, it's not going to be as extreme as we see it now. Most economists are saying that the the current supply chain uh, impacts are going to take you know, 12 to 18, maybe 24 months mm-hmm. to fully kind of rebalance, but it's going to look different. And I think that's a really important takeaway from this show that Brian helped us explore today is mm-hmm. that we're not going to go back to the way things were in 2019. And that's okay, right? Um, and that it's going to create an opportunity for people to, to do more things, to learn more, um, to expand products, um, to really drive things into uh, into new capabilities. So for that, I think we can all be very excited and we'll be very grateful for this time next year. Thank you. And I think we can agree that it's important for everybody in automotive to know what you don't know. Isn't that what's been happening for the past 18 months? Know what you don't know. Pay attention to what you weren't paying attention to. Stop taking things for granted that you did for so many years and rethink open the lens, open wide. And we will, Brian, we'll talk about automotive cardiology. That's got to be Drew. We got to book another show. Shout out to Drew Rhodes and David Johnson at OESA, Julie Freeman, all the other wonderful people who put together OESA, Original Equipment Suppliers Association. Brian Irwin at Accenture, very grateful for your thought leadership, for your wonderful topics and for leading some really good discussion statements today. Bill Newman, always a pleasure. Wave goodbye, everyone. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here, and we'll look forward to talking with you again soon on Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Go to oesa.org and look for more information. If you're not a member, join now. It's good. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. 